Grace and peace to you from God and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thinking about the phrase today, living out God's love shown in Christ. It's a phrase that is a part of the compass statement, which we are learning about this year. That statement which seeks to describe the center of Cal Lutheran the values and the themes out of which we live our mission as a university. The phrase, live out God's love shown in Christ is part of a larger sentence that describes the university in this way. See if it rings true for you. CLU lives out God's love shown in Christ by commitment to justice and peace and belief in the dignity of every individual. One might ask, does this describe the university or does it speak to its aspirations? That's a good question. While I'm not the sole authority on these matters, I believe that the answer is both. We do this and we want to do this. The word living means that it's a work in progress. It's about becoming as much it, as it is about being, living out God's love. Hmm. You could ask that question of me. So, Melissa, how are you doing at living out God's love? Are you experiencing success with this? That, too, would be a good question. And that's one reason why I asked my son to read the scripture lesson for this day. I believe he could give you that answer most truthfully of all and give you a status report on my life. Or ask my husband, Scott. I know he gets a close-up view of how I am doing, living out God's love. Those closest to us know the truth about our daily life, where lives are hitting the mark and unfortunately also where they are falling short. Those who live with us know the truth. Most of the time, my home is a place of safety and refuge. It's a place where I can be myself without the masks and bravado and expectations of the world. Those around me in my various homes, within my family of home, within the home of the circle of my closest friends, and at some level, even the home within my work life. All these people see me at my worst and my most unguarded and unfiltered. They experience how I am living out or not living out God's love in a real and concrete way. I've always thought of myself to be a nester a person who roots around where she is planted, a homebody, a person who identifies with the local culture in which she is living, taking on some of their practices. This was certainly true for me when I lived in North Dakota. I watched my neighbors planting their spring gardens. You knew I was gonna talk about gardening, didn't you? Well, spring garden is a relative term in the North, that close to the Canadian border means that the garden is planted around Memorial Day. I listen to the women of my community tell stories of putting up vegetables, 
canning red robust tomatoes and spicy dilled green beans, as well as preserving summer fruits, peach rhubarb jam and plum sauce. I don't even think we have plum sauce in California. I was swept off my feet by the beauty of rows and rows of canned delicacies adorning their cupboards. A couple years, I took the plunge. Members of my staff went to garage sales to pick up canning supplies for about $5. These wise women brought me into their confidence by giving me handwritten treasures, recipes from aunts and grandmas alike. Well, that first year by mid-October, I too had rows and rows of canned goods adorned on my kitchen counters. It took me months to put them away. They were so beautiful. The women of the community uh, bestowed a treasured nickname upon me. They called this California girl a prairie woman. I even got a t-shirt. This was a long time ago, and the t-shirt said, I am woman, hear me roar. Do you remember that? And then the word roar was crossed out, and there was a little arrow by woman. In the end, when I wore the t-shirt, it said, I am prairie woman, hear me can. Yeah, I'm a nester. Years ago, I was in a discernment process for a pastoral call. Would I change jobs and go to a new location? Someone said to me, you a nester? Oh no, Melissa, you're not a nester. You are a pilgrim. By naming me a pilgrim, he was not prescribing the correct way for me to live. He was not judging my self-perception as a nester, yet through a spoken word, he called forth a possibility, a new way for me to envision how I nest in the world as a, as a pilgrim, being called out and aimed forward towards something far ahead of me, being led by that gracious sustaining call of God. That speaks to me about living out God's love. I'm a pilgrim where God leads me into the world. By reframing my notions how I settle into life, this leader made it possible for me to catch a glimpse of God's call leading me outward with full confidence that God's grace was already way out ahead of me leading me, propelling me into this world with all its hurts and needs. I suppose that's the rub, isn't it? With God, you never really know just where you're going to be led, where this love will lead you. Who knows what situation God is going to use to teach you to expand your notions of where you're being called and directed. These past four years, Stina Odegaard and myself have been taking Cal Lutheran students on mission trips to Florida and Biloxi, Mississippi, to rebuild homes damaged by hurricanes, as well as to El Salvador to make clean and simple, affordable homes for people. Last year, we traveled to Mexico City and Cuernavaca on a service learning trip. Our service was learning about globalization and fair trade and local cooperatives to work for the common good. We've learned so much on these trips. It goes without saying that I have served more than I have served and I have received more than I have given. In Biloxi, Mississippi, our students experience the sheer joy that develops within you when you reach out to a stranger who you suddenly 
learn has been your neighbor all along. They learn just how difficult it is for a community to rebuild economically after a national disaster. They talk to future homeowners and they get a glimpse of the psychological effects of trauma. And they learn the joy of, of giving back, of helping another person rebuild their home and their life. This year we're going to Texas, to Orange, to help rebuild homes after Hurricane Ike. And if you're interested, students, there's still time to check out the Community Service Center website and sign up. For two years, we traveled to El Salvador to work with Habitat for Humanity Global Village Blitzbuild. And although this is a real shock to me, two representatives from Habitat for Humanity El Salvador are coming to Kowloo today. They're meeting with our president and with students tonight and eating pupusas at our home. Working together to provide affordable homes for people, this is such rewarding work. In El Salvador, students learn to bond with people across the barrier of language. They leave appreciating the joy of an honest day's work, and they're filled with gratitude for the many blessings that they have. And they begin to see the rich abundance of this third world country, their art, their history, their food. When asked what they have discovered on a mission trip such as these, one student said that he had left a handprint, his handprint, on a home in El Salvador. Another said it this way, as the week progressed, all the bricks, the cheese paw, and the mescla, that's the mortar, all seemed to become less as important as the relationships we have built. We understood that we would not even finish the house in time, but it didn't matter because we had built friendships. Isn't this so true? All of us are being led by God's grace through our lives of ecstasy and agony. None of us are going to finish the work of living out God's love that we are here to do. All of us are gonna need others to carry on the work. All of you students from Ascension Lutheran School isn't that what God in Christ has been doing for us all along? We may not realize it, but God's love has been leading us into each day and filling us with abundant love so that our hearts are going to burst forth in love for our neighbors. Martin Luther makes this point when he writes, Just as our neighbor is in need and lacks that in which we abound, so we were in need before God and lacked God's mercy. Hence our heavenly God has in Christ freely come to our aid. So also ought freely we help our neighbor through our body and its works. And each one should become as it were a Christ to the other. What difference would this make in our ethical deliberations today? if we treated those who are different for us, not in a condescending way, but as true servants, emptying ourselves for the sake of our neighbor, celebrating Christ in them. Some of you may have gathered when Bishop John Shelby Spong spoke in Samuelson Chapel a few years ago. I will treasure long into the future one simple phrase. It's all that I remember from 45 minutes of talking that he gave, but I think I've remembered a good line. God calls us to love 
wastefully. This is what Jesus is proclaiming to us when we're told to love others and be merciful. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Be merciful as God is merciful. We are so loved by the overwhelming, gracious, and merciful love of God poured out into us in Jesus. This is love that is wasteful, extravagant. It's a love which loved us so that we'll pass that love on and pour it out over and over in little and big ways within our homes and families and communities. Living out God's love is not gonna be easy. I've heard it said a long time ago that being a follower of Jesus is not for wimps. We're not always gonna get it right. It's a work in process. We're becoming, and that becoming is not like a ladder where each day we get better and better climbing up this rung of the ladder. No, some of our living in God's love is gonna be right on and other of it is gonna be misplaced. But that's okay because we're living out God's love, a love that will keep us and sustain us no matter where we go or what we do or what we say. When our oldest son, Kyle, was very young, so young that I don't even remember if Nate had been born at that point, but whatever the age, I remember that time at home where I was overwhelmed with frustration. I was irritated with something that was happening, and I'm quite sure that I was irritated with Kyle. I don't know what prompted my exasperation. It must have been something earth-shattering, like I had stepped on a little plastic Lego that he had been building with. In my exasperation, I said to him, oh, Kyle, what am I going to do with you? With the wisdom of innocence, he ran to me, his little arms wrapped around my legs as tight as he could muster. Keep me, just keep me. Ah, Kyle, Nathan, kept, held, treasured by a fierce love. How much more so, then, is God's love shown to us in Christ? Thank you, God, for teaching me a rather slow and reluctant learner through the gift of family, through co-workers, through service in the world, through my neighbor in need, about God's keeping, embracing, forgiving, sustaining presence in my life, who does this all out of fatherly and divine goodness and mercy, though I do not deserve it. Do not be afraid, Jesus says, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What confidence we can have then knowing that our lives are reflecting God's love. It's God's sheer pleasure and joy to give us the kingdom. This is the place where we live. We live in a place where not everything has come together. In the depths of our being, we experience a host of fears that are greater than tigers and lions and bears. Oh my, we're unfinished pilgrims. We're unfinished nesters. Our lives are messy, complicated, undone, 
and the list goes on and on. Yet we can trust the love of God which propels us into the world. Trusting this love is like stepping into an autumnal breeze and letting hope take form and sending that hope out into the world where we live, where we serve. Amen.